Hello and welcome back to the FAAA podcast brought to you from the Congress here in Adelaide. Uh, my name is Fraser Jack and I'm joined by Lauren Wright. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Fraser. Now, do you want to give our listeners a quick overview of who you are? Absolutely. So, Lauren Wright, I'm a, uh, a psychologist. Please don't hold that against me. Uh, so, I've been working for um, Adelaide Firm Stillwell Management Consultants for about 18 years. Um, and we work with a range of businesses and, uh, and government clients across all industries in relation to anything to do with people and performance. So that's from recruitment to organisational psychology and organisational development. So, yeah, yeah that's a very broad work. And people and performance is certainly a huge part of most businesses and people that have been listening to this. I think uh, when I think of the landscape of people and working in businesses, we've obviously gone through a horrendous amount of change over the last sort of you know, maybe five or ten years? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Horrendous being the key word there. I think, um, you know, there's – I don't think there's ever been any sort of um, – the the blurring between personal and professional lives I don't think has ever been so prominent as it is um, today. And I think COVID really accelerated um, a, a range of things, including – a huge movement towards working from home, um, which has brought with a, a range of challenges for, for leaders in trying to foster a great team culture and performance culture while managing people who are, are working in different locations. Um, you know, that's just one of the, the many challenges that, that have been brought about. And um, I think we, we also sort of hear a lot of conflicting um, trends and stories in the media. You know, I think probably just this week alone I've, I've opened up my news articles to to uh, very conflicting stories including you know there's a in the future everyone will be working from home and then the next article comes out saying um you know ceos of of larger corporations during the next 12 months are going to be calling all staff to come back in working to the office uh we we hear about trends like bare minimum mondays and the great resignation we hear about quiet quitting um there's even a trend on TikTok at the moment, uh, hashtag reduce cortisol, you know, <laughs> it's about sort of reducing stress hormones at work. So, yeah, I think we're, you know, as em- employees, we're more educated around mental health and well-being. Um, we're, we've got a hunger to, um, to play more roles personally and professionally, um, and that's bringing about lots of changes for, for the modern employee and and, and therefore having a knock-on effect to um, to what it means to, for employers to try and navigate some of those yeah. complexities. I think, mm. as, as you said, for leaders, it's been a very challenging mm. few years gone by, uh, moving to obviously the necessity of working from home followed by the, you know, the, the, how do you get people back from, from work to the office if you need to. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think the power of the from the employee's point of view to and their 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 health and well-being has been a huge focus mm, it has been yeah absolutely and um yeah so i think that's right i think um you know we've the the reality i think is that that people are looking for um, flexible work arrangements or or to look for employees that that um have strategies in place that um facilitate that sort of sense of um, balance and and recognition that we're not just workers. Um, we, we have other responsibilities in life that we're keen to, to fulfil. Um, and so I think then it becomes around um, just being really clear, you know, employers being really clear in um, how they want that to look and what could be some of the things that they use by way of strategies to, to make sure that um, the, the needs of the business are being met in terms of performance and work that needs to get done and, and importantly, 
in the financial advice industry, you know, clients being front and centre, their needs being met, um, but also being able to be the kind of workplace that does allow employees to, to fulfil those different roles in life. Yeah, so I think um, at some at this point in, the, um, in time, a lot of businesses have decided to go completely remote. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody works from home or from wherever they happen to be. Um, how are you seeing these, these changes take place and, and what do you think might be the optimal business structure? Yeah, I think, you know, um, at the moment, sort of the hybrid arrangement is is. Essentially, the norm. It's it's less common for us to see organisations where everyone is working in the office all of the time. Those traditional hours that we probably saw, you know, fifteen twenty years ago, being the the normal arrangement. Um, likewise, you know, it's um, it, it's probably uh, a little less common as well for everyone to be working remotely all of the time. Um, we're, we're still sort of navigating through this in terms of the studies and, and the, the research being done around the exact Im- implications and impacts of having fully remote work. But we do know, of course, that it is incredibly hard for leaders to stay connected with employees um, and to maintain a finger on the pulse, not only in terms of the work that's being done, but really importantly, you know, the what we call the psychosocial climate, um, which is a range of factors that basically represent the interaction between person's um, psychological uh, being and their environmental factors. So you can imagine that in a workplace, you've got a fantastic opportunity as a leader to to do things such as you know communication, team building, role clarity, um, excellent communication, um, providing links between strategy and, and day-to-day tasks and work. All of these things um, are a little bit easier to do when you've got people working in the same vicinity. Um, so what we're seeing is that if, if I'm advising uh, my clients who are trying to foster a great culture with people who aren't working in the same location, it's really uh, ramping up an investment in time in, in those strategies that you can do remotely. So making sure that um, you know from the very basic things from having regular avenues of communication with your employees, um, making sure you use cameras on when you're doing the Teams meetings, um, you know, dedicating time, consciously dedicating time to talk about non-work-related things. So anything that helps you um, maintain what we would probably call, um, you know, if, if, if people sort of behavioural or well-being or style is a little bit like a continuum, um the more that we could sort of have those regular touch points with people, the more we develop an understanding of what their kind of um, typical or, or, or average behaviour looks like and the easier or earlier we can detect um, any sort of changes or differences in that. So in, in everyday language, it's, it's sort of that feeling that you get if something isn't quite right with the person or if they might be struggling with something. The more that you know about them and are in regular contact with them, the more you can detect that and the earlier you can talk with them and, and find out how they're going um, and you can start to address those things before um, they sort of intensify. So, it's, yeah. a lot, it's a lot harder for leaders when they can't see their team, isn't it? Exactly. Because so. a lot of those cues are, this is the verbal cues, it might yep. just be you know the, the lack of them not looking engaged in something or very hard to do if they're not in the room. Absolutely. So if you ask yourself, you know, what, what might be some of the – the typical signs that a person might be um, struggling or stressed or not coping or starting to disengage with their work, it's usually those little um, 
subtle non-verbal cues, isn't it? You know, they might um, they might not be contributing as frequently or energetically during meetings, or they might be um, having some different behaviours around punctuality or attendance, or they may their physical appearance might might be different. A lot of those cues we rely on um, are quite visual, so we know that we often. Uh, Take away most of our meaning from nonverbal as a, as compared to verbal communication. So when we're missing a total channel of communication, we're working remotely. It can bring about real challenges. So um, it's not to to sort of say that this is an impossible challenge. It's really then about putting in that that conscious investment of time for leaders um, to. To, to create those avenues to kind of communicate with yeah. people. Yeah. Now the the academic research, as you said, um, there's a bit out, but there's not. There's still years and Work years. Work in progress. Yeah, mm. yeah. How long do you think it will take before we actually find out what the impact has been? Probably a generation, I'd say. Yeah, it's um, it's just been such an interesting time, hasn't it? And I think it's um, it, it's quite interesting and, and exciting in a way when you sort of um, you know, go outside of your body and, and reflect on uh, on what's been happening and. And what they say about resilience, I suppose, is that um, it's not necessarily the ability to bounce back or go back to the norm as to, to what things were like before. When you go through a challenging or adverse event, um, I think res- the, the, the characteristic of resilience is that you work through it and you, you are a changed person after that event, uh, but you take away meaning from it and sort of apply that in your, your business or in your life. And a big part of that is reflection. So... I'd sort of, um, you know, with with the very minimal time that that our practice leaders and and owners have, I'd I'd probably just be, as always, encouraging a bit of reflective uh, practice and and sort of thinking about the ways in which you have been able to navigate those challenges through your businesses throughout the last, you know, five or so very challenging years. Yeah, I think resilience is a big one. And I think that um, from just my observations and friends and family and people I've worked with, some, some people love to love that going back to work piece and, and other people have almost um gone back inside themselves into a shell where that you know getting out the resilience of having just to catch the train to work every day for example was um was enough but now it's they're, they're, they're almost worried or recluse to go back into an office and, and just want to work from home yeah that's right yeah people have so many individual differences around this and I think um, you know it's, there, there have been some some pretty pronounced benefits for people in being able to work from home. And, and while you might, um, you know, it, it's even interesting sort of looking at personality differences between people. I know um, some of my clients would say, "Look, it's wonderful to have one or two days working from home because I'm the type of person who really kind of recharges my batteries if I can just sort of take a deep dive into some of my." Um, administration work or, um, you know, preparing uh, proposals or tenders or, um, you know, doing really complex work for clients, you know, um, looking at the numbers or things that do require sort of traditionally that that time and space to think things through. Um, So having one or two days a week in a hybrid, you know, setup model can be really um, beneficial and then, of course, you have the other days where you can connect with your colleagues. Um, So it'll be really interesting to hear um, from some of our practice owners um, in terms of the, the panel discussion that we're, we're having uh, as part of the FAAA Congress, um, some of the strategies that they actually use to set up those, um, I suppose, policies uh, and, and ways of working that, that kind of draw a line of, of best fit between, um, you know, what, what we need to do to foster 
collaboration and connection and how we can sort of recognise that employees really do value the opportunity to, for a range of reasons, um, have some, some hybrid work and, and work from home. Yep. Mm. Now, as we record this, it's before the presentation, yes. so we can't give you we can't give you all the insights from the presentation. But I know you've done uh, you've spoken to some of these leaders in these businesses prior to the conversation. Is there anything that's come out of those conversations that you can share? Yeah, I think um, I think what's clear for me is there's a big focus on on the importance of um, culture as as something that is to be actively kind of cultivated and and fostered and celebrated um and while that might sound obvious i think again it's it's all about understanding um this this idea of of the psychosocial climate and particularly sort of um being both proactive and responsive so some of the best practice strategies that we'll probably be hearing about not to sort of preempt anything that that may or may not be said but uh, from the initial conversations I've had, there's been a lot of work around um, developing a really rigorous hiring process where you're not just hiring employees for technical performance but, but of course, for culture and for, for client interface um, and even for succession. So uh, putting in more um, effort and, and more steps into your recruitment process beyond sort of having an unstructured interview or an informal coffee um, that might be one aspect of it, but what we know um, both from the research and from our experience in recruitment is that when you when you put some more rigour into setting up a great recruitment process, it's so much more informative for all parties. So as an employer, you end up learning more about what makes a person tick, what their performance is and is likely to be, and also what their potential is like. Um, potential for uh, taking on the the role that you're recruiting them for as well as their potential perhaps for any other um, longer term plans that you might have for your practice. How are you seeing when you um, when you're working with the businesses you work with now the the values alignment coming into it like deep values conversations prior to employment? Yeah definitely I think that's a huge part of it the 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 organizations doing it well um, have a really clear voice um through all of their communication around values. So, you know, it, it could start with a, a look at their website, for example. You get a very strong sense of what makes them tick, how they do business, uh, what it would be like to work with them. And I think that's quite um, comforting and, and exciting for employees to get a sense of, you know, it, it seems like these people are on the same wavelength as me. Um, you know, I, w- I want to work with an organisation that, that is like-minded um, and we're all on the same page. And there's not going to be any huge, um, you know, dissonance between what makes me tick and how I like to work versus what I'm being asked to do. So I think um, it's it's something that sounds, uh, again, quite obvious and quite straightforward, but the organisations that are doing it well have have really isolated um, what, what their values are as an organisation or a practice um, and have really communicated those in, in a meaningful way as opposed to just being words on, on a screen or words on a page. So uh, I know a couple of our panellists will be really keen to, to talk about exactly how they've done that. Yeah, I feel like that's going to be a great recruitment mm. strategy just to, to know who you are, to say this is what we stand for, this is this is our beliefs, this is what we really want to do as, a, as, a, as an organisation and then people that are attracted to that will turn out to be a good fit yeah that's right and I think it's sort of the the philosophy of no surprises um you know as 
when you're going through a recruitment process, you've got a very small amount of time to try and learn as much as you can about each other and that, that goes both ways. So the more more science you can put into that process, um, if you're doing yeah, – if, if you're sort of uh, clear in your attraction strategy, so developing that strong, um, I guess, uh, uh, parcel of information around this is how we do business – and then if you're looking at sort of the recruitment process itself, uh, you're looking at um, structured interviews, structured reference checking with the right referees. Um, we're looking at uh, psychometric testing. And and all of that is not to um, catch people out or to set them up to reveal some sort of secrets about themselves. It's really about sort of looking at um, minimising those surprises or those unknowns from, from both perspectives and learning more about how each other um, like to work, our strengths, our pressure points, and knowledge is power, isn't it? If, if you're recruiting someone in a really tough market, because we know it is tough, um, if you're taking on someone who you know their strengths and you know their areas in need of development, you can develop a bit of a plan to, yep. to harness those strengths and to, to help them with those development areas um, and to set up sort of very open and non-threatening and non-defensive kind of performance um, expectations and what it's going to look like. So I think, you know, um, having all of that out on the table uh, early in the piece, uh, again, it's that idea of prevention and early intervention. So you try and minimise the issues that you might have and then if the issues start to kind of appear, you can address them early. Yep, fantastic. Now, uh, from here, where do you see uh, people and culture and people and process going? You know, like from wherever we are now uh, into the sort of the next few years and over the next uh, you know decade or so. Yeah, I'd really be encouraging um, our our practice leaders and owners to um, to to come up to speed with with again this issue of the psychosocial climate. Not only from from a sort of proactive perspective, but there's about to be um, in some states there has been some really fundamental changes to WHS um, uh, laws and requirements. So we've got a model code of practice and model laws in place around um, reducing psychosocial risks for employees in our workplaces. So, um, you know, persons conducting a a business or undertaking uh, will soon be really required to have their head right around what those psychosocial risks are um, and to develop some really pragmatic strategies to make sure that um, the way that their organisations are set up and working is conducive to protecting that, much like you would uh, for any other type of um, physical health and safety. So I think, um, you know, in the next sort of short term, that's going to be a really hot topic. Um, we're already working with organisations to try and do a quick audit of, of any sort of risks and um, and, and sort of opportunities to, to fine-tune their practices um, and really to educate employees and employers alike around um, what it looks like to manage these things because it can seem quite overwhelming from the outset. Yeah, fantastic. And the firms are looking – tell us a little bit about how you work with firms and, and what sort of size firms you work with. And- yeah, it's really all types. Uh, Fraser, I think, um, you know, that sounds a, a little bit flippant but, I, I'm you know, I'm thinking of – clients we work with where it's literally a, a sole owner, um, maybe employing one or two uh, sometimes casual staff and, and just looking at things like um, I'm wanting to, to take someone on, um, you know, to support me in my business and I really want to get the right fit so we might do a quick 
psychological profile and give them some advice around what they should be asking referees or some strategies for for managing that appointee and developing them in line with that succession plan. And do you do that psychological profile on the the business owner as well? Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. Yeah, Yeah. if they volunteer for it. Yeah, Yeah, because I was going to say, to try and find someone who's a good fit, you kind of need need to know what the fit's going to be. Exactly, yeah. So um, often it starts with profiling the business owner and um, we're we're practical about these things. We know we're not very non-judgmental. No one's perfect, um, you know, apart from me, of course. But, uh, you know, we we all sort of have our natural strengths and and overusing those strengths is usually just where we can kind of – yeah, uh, get ourselves into trouble from time to time. So we just look at the, you know, the the interesting dynamic that could arise, and the the benefits of employing someone, and what you might need to encourage them to do or to manage um, those development areas, and um, and then we work through to sort of yeah, really big um, organisations employing sort of you know sixty seventy thousand people, um, anything to do with uh, people and and performance at work. So it could be a very, um, yeah, a very sort of small, um, you know, inexpensive exercise uh, to, to sort of really make a big difference to a, a very small operation or organisation um, through to, yeah, sort of large government departments or uh, or corporations looking at sort of culture change or, um, you know, audit or uh, looking at um, how to sort of firm up their recruitment practice or look at... Um, performance and potential identifier successes, uh, executive coaching, you name it. If it's got anything to do with people at work, uh, we're, we're involved in some way. Fantastic. And for people that want to look you up, where can, where yeah. can they find you? Yep. So our website is stillwellmanagement.com.au. Um, yeah, we'd love to, to hear from anyone. We, we service clients nationally um, based here in, in Adelaide, South Australia, Paradise. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from anyone who's just got any questions or queries about uh, anything to do with people at work. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming along today and uh, I look forward to good luck with the panel this afternoon. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. The exciting thing about panels is anything could happen So, uh, and it's just before the gala dinner so well, well, you're not, forward to it. There's not much difference with podcasts. Anything could <laughs> happen. It. Anything could happen. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Fraser.